0: The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Thank you so much, Sarah, for that introduction. I think it's so important as we talk about all of these things to realize we're talking about navigating tech at home, and really what we're talking about is how technology gets media into our lives because when you're engaging with tech, what you're really doing is consuming media. We consume media a lot of different ways, right? Paper, you're consuming media right now, I am media. Um, books, but tech brings media into our lives in really different ways that we didn't expect. So there are a couple of key concepts that I just really want to talk about. We are gonna talk a little bit about addiction. I'm really gonna try not to be scary, but I am very aware that this topic can feel overwhelming and uncontrollable and like, it is always changing and that there is not like solid footing for like, what do we do? I do have some tips and tricks. They're not rules. I like rules because rules give me, I'm like a, I'm a Roman too Christian. I want all the boundaries you can give me. I'm a really good Pharisee. Show me how far away from that cliff I can stay. And I am happy. My husband's the opposite. He's like, oh, how close can I get to the edge? He was the one I was worried about the Grand Canyon because he's like, what's over there? I want to go see what's going on. So we'll talk tips and tricks. And I'm really hoping as we talk about that, you guys have some things you are doing well or that are working for you that we can share and kind of do that. Um, I'm going to tell you where we're going. We have a little roadmap introduction. We just did that. I'm going to tell you a little bit more because when you're consuming media, one of the things you really need to know is who are you listening to? Who is that? Who's the person you're talking to? Should you listen to them? Are they adding any, are they in any position to talk to you? So we'll flesh that out a little bit more. We are going to just do a Quick, Scripture Foundation, not because we want it to be any less than anything else, because this is big and scary and constantly changing, and going back to something that never changes, that is foundational, that we can kind of come back to even as we talk about this. I might say, well, I'm getting a little anxious, let's remember. Scripture Foundation, we're gonna talk about understanding media, practical resources for navigating technology at home, practical resources for you as women, and then practical resources for your kids, Q&A hopefully at the end, given time. I paid up all the time using my thing. So a little bit more about me and where I got my um, sources. Um, let's see what the next slide is. There we go. Okay. So I am here, I think, because um, I work in the IT department at Bethlehem here. So I've done that for about five years. I am technically the coordinator for database management and help desk. And what that means is Bethlehem has a database where we have all of the information about the church stored in one place. And my job is to keep that safe, is to make sure other people don't get information out of that database. So occasionally someone will say, oh, I'll give you that phone number and I'll run to their desk and go, no. We do not do that, right? Like, we keep it safe. But also, you guys all interact with a database today. You got name tags, the stickers, that's me. If you use the Bethlehem app, also me. Uh, Bethlehem's computer, me. Um, all of those things, if you come to an event, if you see an event on the website, if you get a sticker, basically anything that interacts with tech in the church runs through me and then the IT department. It also means I get to sit with the IT department and I'm a big nerd or a big geek, depending on how it is, so I thought that was really cool that I got to do that. Um, and yesterday I told them I was doing this and they both at the same time shouted the same piece of advice for you, um, like literally the exact same advice. And then I told my husband, he's like, no, oh, that's really the only thing that matters. And I went, great, so that's my number one tip we're gonna talk about later. Um, so, so I do, but before that, um, I was a stay-at-home mom for six years. I'm a lawyer, so I practiced out in the world and did lots of lawyery things. My undergrad's in psychology because I wanted to know why people did what they did, right? I did not find that answer. I still have not found that answer. Um, if you know that answer, please give it to me because I want it. But also, I'm a pastor's kid, and I grew up a long time ago, right? I'm guessing for a lot of you, I could be your mother. And that means when I grew up, there wasn't technology. We did not interact with technology like you guys are interacting with it now. Now, was there media to consume? Absolutely. My parents were very concerned about what books I read, what books we should ban, what books we should burn. Um, there's this concept of, um, back in the 80s, I don't know if you guys know, have heard of back masking, which is where on a vinyl, like a vinyl record or on a tape, a cassette tape, Oh, guys, if you don't know what it is, you know, that thing (laughs) where they would put lyrics like if you played the tape backwards or if you played the vinyl backwards, you were really worshiping Satan. So you couldn't listen to those things. The number of times I went to church camp and broke records and pulled out ribbons from tapes and all that stuff. (laughs) Right. So this is not new. But also, I didn't have to navigate it the way you guys do. Right. Also, I have one kid. So this is where grain of salt, last person talking to you about this. Right. So my advice and my information is from my context. I have one kid. I have never tried to have multiple kids in different phases of development and manage different types of technology or media consumption. I haven't done that. A lot of you have and a lot of you will. So your mileage may vary on what I'm talking about here, right? You're going to need different tools than I had. Also, my kid hates screen time. So every once in a while, I'm like, can you just please watch a show? Um, it was Daniel Tiger when she was a kid. Is it Bluey now? Is Bluey the thing, right? I, so. I love Daniel Tiger, you guys. Daniel Tiger, like... Uh, I would say, can you just watch Daniel Tiger so I can make dinner, right? Or just have a half an hour to just not have someone on me, right? Um, And she'd be like, no, I don't want that. So it's a different challenge. I haven't tried to pull that away from her, which is a different challenge than you might have. Now, that might change because kids are constantly changing. Um, that might change, but it does mean that the tips and tricks I have are from my parents and from other parents, but they're from me, and they might not work in your context. So don't, you know, feel bad if they're like, ooh, Erica said no screen time before, too. Goodness, girl, if you need to have some time and that keeps you sane, then have screen time before, too, right? It's constantly changing, and this is why we're going to go to Scripture in a second. How we deal with tech and media and all of that is constantly changing. When Arden was born 10 years ago, the rule from, you know, the general consensus in society was no screen time, zero, zero screens before two years old, zero. You will break their brain. And then this is going to come back up later. A lot of times when people are trying to convince you of something, they figure out what you fear, right? What are you afraid of? And they want to scare you, right? You're going to break your kid's brain. You're going to permanently damage their neuron pathways. You are not, Okay, but that was the thing that they were saying. So we didn't just we just didn't do screen time before too, but a few years before that, when my niece, who's now nineteen, was a baby, there was this thing called Baby Einstein, which are these videos that have different shapes and colors and spinny wheels and all that stuff. And my sister-in-law would take her baby, her infant, and put her in one of those exosaucer deals, which again, good, bad, I don't know. Um, have her sit in front of the baby for hours, for three or four hours. And what Baby Einstein was telling her was, they're in addition to telling you what you should be afraid of, they tell you the thing you want. Do you want a smart baby? You want a smart baby, right? Well, then you need to give them baby Einstein, and this will make their brain smart because here's how it interacts, and that works too. So it's constantly changing. So this is for today and kind of pulling it all together. So because it's constantly changing it's constantly scary, we are going to go to this verse, which talks about how God, the thing that does not change, has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of self-control, right? So when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling afraid about this and other things, right? That's not from God. Okay. Um, Jackie Hill Perry has a really good, like 30 minute podcast or YouTube video on how, if you are feeling fear, it is not from God. Um, And she does a great job with that. So I'd encourage you to seek that out. But if you've been at Bethlehem any length of time, you know that when a verse starts with the word for, that means you have to go to the previous verse because for means because, right? So previous verse, fan into the flame, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of of hands. So the gift of God is in you, right? If you are a Christian, this is in you because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and with technology and media, self-control, right? And so when we go back to this and we start to get anxious, we can always go back to this and say, nope, God is in me. He has given it to me. He has not, this is already not, not yet, other Bethlehem phrase situation um, this is in me already it's not perfected yet, but it's here. I do not have to have a spirit of fear because I have power and love and self-control. so this isn't going to change the rest of it is going to change it's going to be scary. So we are going to talk about technology and media. We're going to talk about managing media is not a new concern. I told you some of my 80s stories. Um, like '80s stories, um, do you guys know Satanic Panic? I thought this was a really thing that everybody knew, but now your faces say you're confused. In the 80s, there was this whole thing where like, um, it was a viral, um, it wasn't online, so no technology, right? But it was just a viral kind of gossipy thing that went around and everyone was convinced that um, it was Satanists and here's what it was, and Geraldo Rivera did a whole documentary on it, but so this is not new, and I was kind of talking to my husband about where did this start, what are we going to do, and I went back to actually I think the 90s with, have you ever consumed music or media like TV, and there's an E on it for explicit, it says explicit on it, that didn't exist before the Clinton administration, it was actually Vice President Al Gore's wife, Tipper Gore, She got that there. She is the one who advocated in front of Congress, and there's these great tapes you can watch where she is arguing that media has changed so much. Now music comes on these CDs. Parents don't know what it says. We need to warn them, and it needs to have this explicit warning there. So if you've ever used that to make decisions, um, that came out, that's the, like 95, was when that first time happened. So not new. And then my husband, who is wise in a lot of ways, um, always said, no, 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 Erica, it's media. It goes back really far. And I said, okay. And he said, this goes back to Eve in the garden of good and evil. And I said, what, tell me now? Like we're in the garden, not the garden of good and evil, that's a book, but we're, we're in the garden, right? We're in the garden of Eden and Eve is standing there and someone comes to talk to her, which is media. And what does he tell her? He tells her what she wants. You wanna know everything? You wanna be like God? You want to be there? And he tells her what you're afraid of, right? You don't wanna die you're not going to die. And that's initially, that's that first spot. Who should she have been listening to? God, who was constant and told her, right? Or the person who prayed on what she wanted and what she was afraid of. So this goes back literally all the way to beginning of time. So when you start to be like, ah, it's new and I'm scared, you don't have to be. Your parents navigated this, your grandparents navigated this. People in the Old Testament navigated this all throughout time. What is different is how technology interacts with that and how technology is literally hijacking the way God designed our brains to get you to involve and engage with these platforms. So um, I really encourage you to see technology and media as tools. That, when used wisely, which is what we're called to do, can really help you with connection. Can help you do things. So I went to Bible College, North Central, right over there, and I was assigned the topic in a debate: Television is good. Someone else said television is bad, and I got up and I argued, "Television's not bad. It's it, this is a this is a tool we can use, but we have to decide how to use it." And this is where. I think with technology even gets more challenging, right? My parents were very concerned. What is coming through that television? Um, But the television was in a giant cabinet thing in one room. And now it's literally on my phone. It probably is on my watch, right? So you have to pay attention to all of these places that are coming in. But this is a tool. My brother watched a documentary on weaving, and then he built a loom out of Legos and made me a scarf, that's a really cool tool, right? <laughs> my brother's wild. Um, it was crazy. That's a really cool tool, but you can watch all sorts of other things, right? On all of the ways you consume media. Um, we need to be wise in how we consume that. And what that requires is a little bit more intentionality than say my parents had. My parents were the classic boomers. I was telling Sarah, I was a classic like latchkey kid, and they kind of went with, my dad's a pastor, you're in Christian school, you go to church all the time, job is done. We're great. You're going to make great choices. That's that's not always going to work. Fair see me, it worked great for, right? Um, my son's husband leaning it did not work great for. I mean, he's still a good kid, but, you know, it just didn't. Kids are different. So there's a little more intentionality required, a little bit more involvement and engagement than perhaps, than definitely my parents had with me. and Maybe then you've seen parents older than you have with their kids because this is constantly changing, and you have to be really aware of it, which is why I'm talking to you moms a lot, about how you consume media and how you use technology because, and this was my house, so grain of salt again. I stayed home with my daughter for six years. My husband's really involved. He's the play parent. Do you guys have a play parent? He's the imaginative play parent. He has those calico critters. Ours, fancy names, G- ridiculous scenarios. And I'm like, I, Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a really good adventure parent. We'll go to the zoo. We'll go to the arboretum. I'm a good um, reading parent, a good crafting parent. I love that. But I was not that play parent. So he's really involved. But my daughter was with me, eight nine hours a day. She's not seeing him eight nine hours a day and how he interacts with media and technology. She's seen me. And so while we run, you know, a pretty you know complementarian, married 25 years together, 33 years household. I'm the one who had the biggest influence in those early years over what was modeled for her. And so that it really matters what we're doing. And that's again, a weighty kind of thing, but we don't have to be scared because why? Because God, God's the constant. So we're gonna do that. We're gonna talk about some key concepts, monetization, the algorithm, I love the algorithm. I hate the algorithm. And then misinformation and disinformation. And this is, again, is constantly changing. Literally last week I added something to the misinformation, disinformation that was not there before, like literally last week. I went, Oh, that, that changed. Here we go. So important that you know who you're listening to. That's me and where I got my sources. I have slides at the end that shows you all of this so you can get it for yourself. There's going to be QR codes. You can scan them and go directly to those sites so you can check my work. But here are my three key sources. Number one, Risen Motherhood. If you do not know the Risen Motherhood platform right? That started on social media. I would highly encourage you to check it out. They started mainly with a podcast now more books, but the podcast is still there. They have a really good six episode podcast series on how to use social media. Well, which I think is really helpful and was real helpful to me. Cause I was like, oh, it's binary, right? It's never or always. And for them, they're like, no, we built our whole lives around social media. We're in like, that's how they, f- they feed their families. Right? How do you do that? Well, how do you navigate that? Well, check that out. I'll again, you can do all that. The Gospel Coalition has a couple really good articles on misinformation and disinformation and how we tell the difference and how we interact with that. And then there is a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. There you go. You don't even need me to tell me. It's so good. Right? Scary? Did it scare you? (laughs) Terrifying. Right? So uh, if you have not seen this documentary, it's not Netflix. My guess is if you're creative, you can find it on YouTube. But... Um, the whole point of it, it is the premise is it is social media creators, the people who created the algorithm, right? The people who created the AI. We're going to talk about that. That's the new thing is new AI and the algorithm talking about why they left why they regret doing it and what they would let their kids do. And it kind of walks you through how it all works. It's really well done. It's not from a Christian worldview. So just be aware of that. But it's not explicit. There's no content there. I would say maybe older kids. My daughter's 10. Um, but she's also a very young 10. I probably wouldn't have her watch it just because she's a little more fearful of things. Um, but, you know, if you have older kids, it might be a good thing for them to understand how social media is literally changing our brains. So, most of the quotes I have here are, though, from The Social Dilemma. There we go. So, this is from The Social Dilemma. If Monetization. Monetization is just taking something and turning it into money. So, if I started to sell my knitting, I have monetized my hobby. Right? If I started to leave book reviews for money, which is apparently something you can do, I have monetized my hobby of reading, but it's really important to know that if you are not paying for the product you are consuming, the technology, you are the product. Someone is making money off of you, and you probably are both paying for it and they are making money off of you. So Hulu used to be free, like the streaming service, but you had to watch ads. Okay, well, they're making money off of me because they sold ads. Now I pay for Hulu and I watch ads, right? (laughs) So they figured out a really good way to, like, monetize that, but they got me. So there I am, paying for the product, but I'm also doing it. Um, Every single for-profit corporation, technology or not technology-related, exists to turn a profit. That's the only reason they're there. And they have a duty to their shareholders, who are not you, they're not me, um, they're big shareholders, like the people who buy all their stock and who they're major investors, to make money quarterly, quarter, quarter, money after money. That's their only job. That's the only reason they exist. And they will find really creative ways to monetize that. So I use Google, Gmail a lot. Um, my personal email is Gmail. Um, we use Gmail here. Um, there's Gmail you can pay for, there's Gmail that's free. I always think, well, it's free and I'm using it. It's free. It's great. I use Google Photos. It's free. No, it's not right? Google has monetized that for me. Partly I see ads, right? Um, partly they are using me to train their algorithm and they're using me to train their AI, right? So Google now has access to all of my pictures. Um, so like from the least likely but most scary, right? Least likely most scary, they're selling your information to somebody, right? If I have your first name, your last name, and your phone number, I can get, so I've got, Got 100,000 100, people in the church's database right now. I have all that information for all those people and more of that. That is marketable and saleable. Sell, like, I could sell that for 5 to $10 a person and 100,000 people, right? So there is money to be made off selling that information. That's not like you're... That's le- not super likely to happen. But it could happen, right? So, in um, LastPass just had a giant hack that happened that kind of took down LastPass. You'll hear about those hacks all the time. Someone can sell that money. They're gonna make it that way. But more likely, they're selling advertising space, right, to you, so you're looking at the ads, they're monetizing that way. And what's absolutely for sure happening is they are using your activity on any of their platforms to build the algorithm. And the algorithm, we'll talk about in a little more detail next, but the idea is, Um, as a foundational concept, the company with the best algorithm is gonna win. And by win, I mean make the most money. And that's really the only reason they exist. So the algorithm, their whole goal, is to keep your eyes on their product for as long as possible. And that is why, um, that's how they're monetizing you. They're using you and your activity and my activity. I'm all in on all these things. So they're using it. And that's why, my husband wrote these out for me today. We're talking about it. So Google bought YouTube so everything you do on YouTube, Google knows. This is a Fitbit. Google bought Fitbit. So Google literally knows where I am going, what I am doing. You can use it to track your menstrual health. You can track your moods. Um, Google knows everything because it's right here on my wrist, right? Um, Amazon bought Ring, like Ring doorbells, right? Amazon bought Ring. So Ring doorbells, which means Amazon now has access to everything that's your Ring doorbell sees, Amazon now has access to and look out for your targeted ads, they're gonna get real good. Um, Amazon bought Roomba, which means your little test technology, right? And it's not necessarily media, but the little vacuum that goes around in Amazon, they bought Roomba for billions of dollars, you guys. Why? Because it helps them with their algorithm. Okay? And they're all mapping your houses. Um, <laughs> you think I'm kidding, but and here's the thing. This is where um, lawyer Erica's gonna say her little lawyer Erica piece, and then we're gonna back out. Um, I was a criminal defense attorney. So Fourth Amendment, I'm all in on Fourth Amendment, right? If someone wants to search my house, they need a warrant. Your house, same as true. They can get a warrant. So I've taught my daughter now. Because I said I left. I leave her at home like for 10 minutes by herself. just I go down the hallway just to try it out, see how she can do. And she, I'm like, well, what if this person calls? Nope. She's like, just ignore it. She's, I'm like, what if they say they're the police? She's like, oh, that's will them they can come in. And I went, I've done nothing. No, we're going to start again. It's show me a warrant. But more importantly, no. Um, but... Both, so room, ring, Amazon, Ring, Facebook, so Meta, they all have agreements with local police that they don't require warrants. So they want to get information from Facebook to prove where you were or where you were not. They literally have a form letter that they fax on a fax machine over to Meta, and Meta will say, here you go, here's everything. And while you think you may be in a private Facebook group or have it set to friends only or only this or only that, um, it's not private from Facebook. Facebook knows all of that and is free to share it with with the state. Because why? Because money. So again, this is the scary part. So we're going to go back. We're not afraid because God, right? God is the same. And these are tools. Now, look, we're not going to be afraid. I don't have a Roomba, but I really want one. Is this going to stop me from getting a Roomba? Probably not right? Because I want, I want my house to be vacuumed all the time. But it is really helpful to know when we're making decisions. So Google bought Fitbit, and Google bought something called Waze. Waze is a navigation device, and they bought Waze. That happened a long time ago, probably seven or eight years ago. Google bought Waze for the social networks, because you have friend on Waze. And when I know who your friends are, my algorithm gets better and better and better, and it tells me where you're driving, and isn't that wonderful, and now Google. Google knows all of that. So my husband was very into that concept this morning. I was like, tell me where it is. Because, again, the algorithm is where the money is, and that's why these people exist. So you're not the pain for the product. You are the product. Just be aware of that, right? Instagram is free. I love Instagram. I'm on Instagram way too much, as so I confess this morning. <laughs> um, I use it to keep in touch with my family. I use it to keep in touch with people. Um, I have an integration with chat books that prints out hard books and sends them to my mom every 60 pictures so I don't have to send her pictures because I forget to send her pictures, right? And it just says, for five bucks, your mom got a picture book, great, wonderful. Um, I'm probably not gonna stop using Instagram, but I really do not wanna know or be aware of how that's working. They are making money off me. Instagram's making money off me even though I'm not paying. All right, so we're gonna go to the algorithm. Again, from the social dilemma, there are two industries that call their customers users, illegal drugs and social media, right? <laughs> See, no, 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 we're not going to be scared. And why are we not going to be scared? <laughs> we're not going to be scared because God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? Who is in control? It's God. Does he know all of this? Yes. And because he and self-control, hmm love, love, self-control, and because he's in control, and we now, as we are aware of these things, can use these tools for what? Good. So the algorithm is just a little piece of computer code that lives on servers, different places, and what it's trying to do is keep your eyeballs glued to a specific product, right? Because that's where the money is. So the longer, the reason Google buys all these things is because the longer I'm in Gmail, the longer I'm in Google Photos, the longer I'm in Word, like Docs and Sheets and all of that, Google's making money, Right? So they don't want me going somewhere else. So they are using the algorithm to make sure I only see what I want to see. Here's why I love the algorithm, right? I kind of use one here at Bethlehem. It's not a true algorithm, but I can tell based on the fact that you're here at Moms that you've got kids. So then I can pull out, probably, right? I can pull out this group of women and send you an email about Pastor Bud's parenting conference that's coming up, right? So I'm not sending it to everyone at Bethlehem because it doesn't apply to everyone at Bethlehem, but I know it might be particularly interesting to you. right? Same thing for the app. When you guys see the Bethlehem app, it does not look like anyone else's Bethlehem app. Right? Everyone sees something a little bit different based on what they're involved in. If you're up at the, the North Church, which was the North Campus until a week ago, um, they see something totally different. right? Because what we want to do is we don't want to distract you with things that don't matter. We want to show you what matters to you. We want to keep you engaged with what, what you want to be engaged with. So, um, Spotify, any of those music streaming services, and I was really mad because I had gotten Spotify to, like, I had fed the algorithm. Like, I'm liking things, I'm unliking things. So it got me. Like, it knew me, and my music was, like, perfect. Every time it suggested something, it was my favorite thing ever. And then my husband was like, absolutely no Spotify. So I lost my Spotify. But I'm training the Apple music to do the same thing because I'm feeding that algorithm, right? I like that, right? Why do you say, why so my husband... <laughs> So, so here's why, and this is his per- conviction, right? And he knows, like, he'd be like, "Yeah, tell him, come all the deals. I will be a little more moving." Spotify is again the algorithm, tons of money. They are spending hundreds of millions of dollars buying podcasts, and they spent a couple hundred million dollars on a podcast that he is vehemently opposed to, that offended every single bit of his conscience, and he said. Look, it's, it's essentially a boycott, right? Like, it's not gonna matter. Boycotts aren't super effective. Like, there's tons of research that says a boycott really isn't gonna change how a company acts because there's enough people that went to Spotify for that podcast, and it's not just one, there's a couple of them there, that it's not, losing my $8 a month or whatever It's not really gonna change it, but he's like, but it's not my money. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with someone who's, like, passionately involved with something, and so, I'm like, I had really well-argued convictions, so so Spotify was that one, um, but now I'm on Apple Music and I'm training the, al- the algorithm there. Um, But the algorithm is not a passive observer, right? I always used to think of it, it's just sitting up there, it's in the sky, it's doing its thing, looking around, no big deal. The algorithm is pushing you and pushing you places where it wants you to go, right? And it's doing that, um, not benignly, you guys see the devil wears Prada? Yeah, so there's that very famous quote where Miranda Priestly is in her office and Andy, the secretary, is wearing her blue sweater and she's like, I don't even care about fashion and Miranda Priestly goes on this great thing that I've written in my notes that I can't see. Um, basically, oh, it's cute that you think you picked that out, right, no, 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 years ago, you know, Oscar de la Renta, and she goes through the whole history of that, so basically you pull that out of a bin, I think she says a casual corner, which is long gone, and you put it on, but you think you picked it, cute right? No, that's the algorithm. That's the Miranda Peasley brain algorithm pushing you and pulling you places. My best example of this is Instagram. Instagram, Share my pictures, but, um, and this is where we'll get to like confession time of how Instagram really does that. So I work here. I worship here. I am here six, seven days a week. Um, if you don't know, the last few years have been a little bit challenging at Bethlehem. And then you add on, like if you're worshiping here, it can be hard. You add in another, you know, five days and deepen it like deep in it, right? I was an all-church employee, so I worked for all three campuses, so all of it. And my brain couldn't read. I used to read like 100 books a year. My brain stopped reading. Like it just could not handle reading another word. And But you know what Instagram is? It's just pictures. You don't have to read anything, right? And we also got a COVID cat. I love my COVID cat. And we put lots of pictures of my COVID. Beth hooked me up with my COVID cat. Um, I put pictures of my COVID cat on, the, on Instagram, and Instagram said, oh, she likes cats. Great. <laughs> and so then I flipped to the for you, or the Explore page, now I think it's for you. And there are pictures of cats, you guys. And you can just look at pictures. There's this guy named Abdul, and he's big, and he's got those really deep voices, and he's got dreadlocks, and he fosters kittens. <laughs> and so he'll get like eight kittens, and he'll introduce them, he's the name of the This is Fazoli, this is Spaghetti, this is Linguini in this deep forest with these dreadlocks. And I'm like, I want more of Abdul, right? So I'm just flipping, liking, but the longer I spend, it knows exactly how long I've looked at each picture. Right? It knows if I like it. It knows if I follow it. It does it. So it's cats, cats, cats. It's great. It's great. It's great. Um, then show showed me a dog. I, I like dogs, but I don't have a dog. So I mean, eh, dog. Whatever. And then I didn't see a dog again, right? Because I'm not looking at dogs. Ooh. And then soccer came up. I know it was the World Cup. So soccer. Ooh, soccer. I like soccer. I played soccer. I know soccer. Soccer, soccer. Ooh, basketball. Man, eh, Whatever. Right? And the algorithm soon, after a couple days, I mean, it's really fast. You go to that four-year page and all I'm seeing are cats right? That's it. Um, my mom came into town, we got our nails done and I wanted to see what the cool nail color was. So I didn't have like old lady nails. I wanted like what the cool kids were doing with nails. Like we're we doing metallic now, whatever we're doing. I wanted to do it. So I looked up, I searched like cool nail colors on Instagram. Um, and now my entire for you page is just nails. Um, cause it knows it's what I'm looking for. All right. And I was doing that way too much. And when we get to tips and tricks, I'll, um, I'll explain it, um, how I stopped doing that. But if you don't do it for a couple days, it forgets. The algorithm kind of forgets and it resets. And it will say, ooh, what do we know about her? Well, my Instagram's linked to my Facebook, which is linked to my chatbooks integration, which might be linked to my Twitter, but I don't know if I ever linked those up. So it knows I'm a woman, it knows my age, it knows I've got a kid, it knows I post pictures of cats, it knows I'm married. Um, Probably because I linked it to Facebook and it was when I went to high school and who all those friends are. Um, And so it starts broad and it says, okay, so you're one of your age, you go to church, you work at a church, you're really interested in Jen Wilkin, right? And so now my my explore page is a little more and then it narrows down. So this is why if you're like men, let's just say men, engaging, they think men want to see different things than what you want to see. So if my husband or any other man flip to the explore page, they're gonna see sports and hunting and fishing and maybe beer, and they're gonna throw in a racy picture. Because they think from the and um, they're gonna see what they can catch. What are we interested in, what do we do? So when you see that, um, that's not necessarily mean there's a problem, it just means, oh, they think men are into that. And they're not wrong because it works, right? And then they're gonna filter down, right? So for a while my husband had to repair like the dishwasher. He repaired our dishwasher. So it was all dishwasher repair videos and like home <laughs> repair videos and all of this stuff, right? Like that's all it is. Um, so just be aware of the algorithm. It is not benign. It is pushing you places it wants you to go and the, with the whole goal of making money off of you, all right? So, um, but we don't have to be afraid. So last point, and this is about misinformation and disinformation. And this is about how information is only reliable as the people who are receiving it. This is from the social dilemma again. If you don't change or improve your ability to seek out and identify reliable information sources, the information environment will not improve. So this is from the social dilemma. So it talks about the difference between misinformation, where it's just wrong. It's just wrong information. And disinformation, where it's put there to scare you right? And again, with the whole goal of getting you to stay and engage and click and be monetized. And this is where, how God created our brains and addiction and all those things kind of come in. Science, and this is really well proven, we are really not motivated by fun puppies and kitten things. The thing that's going to get us to engage with media, social media and technology is fear, right? So if I see a picture of a cute kitten, I'm like, oh yeah, cute kitten. Yeah, I feel good, right? Dopamine. Um, if I see a picture of something really scaring, it's like, did you know you have microplastics in your home and microplastics are going to kill you? I might click on that link to read that thing on microplastics because it's the fear, right? And they're really good because of the algorithm of feeling, figuring out what you want and what you're afraid of, right? And figuring out, so my mother-in-law on Facebook, she's tell this, um, she only sees things about how California is legalizing pedophilia, California did not legalize pedophilia, but that sounds, that makes sense to her because it's California. They do weird things out there, right? And it's true. They do do weird things out there um, because that's her fear. She's afraid of the government coming in and telling her what to do and legalizing all of these scary things. And Facebook knows that because she clicks every link they put in front of her. And that's why kind of extended introduction of who I am, where my sources are, all those kind of things. Um, This is where misinformation disinformation and there's two gospel coalition articles on identifying these two and I'll show you where to find those um, misinformation there was one that came up there their example is from September 11th where it was like this really great story about someone on the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania like the phone call to his wife yeah that's not true you guys that's not real <laughs> someone made that up but that's just misinformation right it's not' it's, it's not true. But it's not disinformation. Disinformation is where I twist something to scare you. Disinformation was satanic panic, right? To manipulate you, to make you do things. Um, so just in knowing your sources, and this is what I added yesterday, and I'm gonna pull it off so I can read it to you, but there's this not, it's not new, but right now AI is becoming huge. Um, I think Microsoft just spent $100 million on ChatGPT, which is an AI generator that generates content, so when you're looking at Instagram, which I love, you need to know it's not real, right? I post pictures on Instagram all the time. Every single one of them is edited. I'm not like, you'll still recognize me, right? But um, they're all a little bit brighter. The blues are a little bit bluer. The, like, I'm not blurring out my face, right? But, but it's not, they're all just up a little bit, right? It's all just a little bit better. You're not, you're seeing my highlight reel that I made a little bit better because filters. Um, there's actually a filter on Instagram called No Filter, so up in the corner, it will say no filter, but when you use the no filter filter, you look like a supermodel, you guys. So it literally, so you're looking at it and it says no filter, no filter, but it, it will just smooth all the, all the texture out, so it says no filter. The, no, it's called the no filter filter. Um, so, and this is where though being intentional, especially with our daughters, is incredibly important because the research on how this affects young people's brains Is overwhelming. Um, Kids' brains aren't fully developed till they're like 26, all right? Like critical thought and critical reasoning isn't happening till like 20 is like when it's starting. My 10-year-old does not know that what she's looking at on Instagram isn't real, okay? I know, but sometimes I forget. So we'll talk about one of my tips and tricks is like curating your media feed. Who are you looking at, right? If you're constantly looking at people, who are perfect all of the time. Number one, they're not. Number two, that seems normal. That starts to seem normal, right? And then all of a sudden, you look in your own mirror and you know you don't look like that, right? Um, and it's not normal, because it's not real. But on Canva now, you guys know Canva? It's like a free, like you can create like an image and you, there's a free version, there's a paid version. You can now on Canva, put your picture there and then say, hey, Canva AI, write a caption. And Canva will, the AI, will write the caption for your picture. So you are now seeing content creators. And, like, there's even, I found a tutorial where you can schedule about 30 days of content. And being a social media influencer um, is big business. Like, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars a year these people make, right? Um, and they're not, they're, the AI is writing it. They're not writing it. So they might say, like, oh, I wrote this from my heart. Well, the AI wrote that, right? <laughs> and you need to know who you're following. And my, one of my other examples is I found something online. When I was home with Arden, I wanted to do like preschool, kind of preschooly things at home, like crafts. And I found this, like, ABC is through the Bible. I'm like, yes, A is for Ark. You know, B is for Bible. Like, whatever. <laughs> C. And I like, was going through the whole thing. And then I got halfway through, and it was like all really good. And it sounded really good, and I was really excited about it. I got halfway through and went, what? Because it was Mormon. Or I think now we're saying Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? And I was like, oh, this is something different. And so I will tell you right now, if it feels like a lot of that content, there's, and so it's okay. It's okay to follow these people. I follow a woman who is Mormon. I'm sorry. They're now saying that they're Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think they're trying to get rid of the Mormon title. But she does an intentional parenting workshops, and she talks about how to stop yelling at your kids. I come from a household that was high conflict and lots of yelling. I know because I was the kid in that house. So that's really bad. And I don't, but I also know I'm more likely to do it because it's what I know and it's genetically who I am. So I wanted to stop that. So I follow her. I take tips from her. She has a 30 day no yell challenge that I participate in regularly. But I also know that when she says, oh, Jesus says this and this and this, we're not talking about the same thing. So it's fine to do that. You just have to know who your sources are. So, um, I'm going to move over to practical tips for mom. I am, when I pull this off, I'm going to read you what chat, I had Chad GDP, the AI, write an introduction for this. And um, then, like, a regular introduction, and then the introduction in the style of a pirate. And you guys, it's, <laughs> it's terrifying and hilarious, but you need to know that this is happening, like, right now. So, practical tips for moms, because we are the ones, right, that our kids see, and I will say my heart how my heart is every day, where my relationship with Jesus is, where I'm doing. It doesn't just affect how my kid interacts with technology and with media. It, it affects everything. And it, it's like, how am I cooking dinner? Am I, how am I washing those dishes? What attitude do I have when I'm folding the laundry? Right? All of those things. So here's this where I'll start. So limit social media. I, I stand here confessing what I was doing with social media. And you guys, I, um, I got a new phone. It has new tools and tricks you can do to measure. It will show you your metrics and then also put on some limits for you. And it was horrifying. And there were days where I was like, no, literally I can't do anything else. Right. I cannot do, I'm doom scrolling. Right. Um, and when I stopped and what I had to do was like almost cold Turkey, stop, I'm done. About two weeks later, I'm just feeling better. Nothing really has changed. And then I was like, "Why? Oh, I'm feeling better. Like it's sunny outside. You know, the seasons are different. Something changed. And then I went. I stopped social media two weeks ago. Of course I feel better. Of course, That's not what I'm doing with all of that time. Um, so is it practical to eliminate social media for everybody? Probably not, right? That's where my family is. That's where my friends are. Um, that's where I'm connected to a lot of people who aren't right here for me, right? But finding ways to limit that, so I've set up some controls on my phone that limit that for me. Um, ruthlessly call your social media feed, right? If it is not, this is where, this made more sense last week, but Marie Kondo it right? If it's not bringing you joy, get rid of it. Just done. Now Marie Kondo came out and said, ooh, I have three kids now. I can't get rid of stuff. I'm not tidying up anymore. And I went, great. <laughs> get back to it. Yeah, I knew it. Three kids. You can't do it. Um, but you can do it for this. Look, if it's not, yeah, three kids. If it is not encouraging you, if it is not encouraging your walk with Christ, right? If it is not encouraging who God created you to be, like, I feel a lot of weird, like, IT tech stuff that encourage me in that, right? They're not Christians, but they encourage me in that, and that's who God created me to be, then yes, keep it. But um, if it's just every time you look at it causing some fear or causing you to feel less than, because that's what they're going to prey on, right? What are you afraid of? What do you want, right? So you hear all the time, don't you want to be thin? Don't you want to have this white everything kitchen, right? Yes, I do. I really do. Um, But don't you want to have the perfect nails, the perfect hair, the skin with no texture? Don't you want that? Don't you want a clean, like I went into a streak of making all my own household cleaners so I didn't have any toxics. So you don't want? Right, don't you want your kid to be healthy? Of course I do. But then I'm watching you make that lunch. And if you do this, this is amazing. And I did for, there was a season where I could make the bento box lunch with the cute little cookie cutters and all of that stuff. And I did all of that. And now my kid is in fifth grade and I'm like, school lunch, enjoy. <laughs> um, just because it's time and capacity and what do you have to do? But if watching that person make that lunch makes you feel less than, you can just thank them for their service and release them back to the place where they're not relieving your joy anymore. Um, turn off notifications. I promise you don't need them. And I'm talking about specifically social media notifications. I use my phone for work a lot. Those work notifications I do need sometimes. Um, but my husband has, and he likes Instagram too, um, he has notifications set up so they come to his watch. Right? So we'll literally be sitting at dinner, and we've tried to really hold to the no phones at the table rule, right? And my, our phones are far away, and all dinner long, because his Instagram is beeping on his watch, right? And it's just, it's just there. And it's, it's, he's not, like, answering. He's not doing it. It's just it's making that. It's reminding you, hey, give me some attention. Give me some attention. Um, and what should we be paying attention to? Not that. Set controls. That's what we're talking about. Model good media hygiene for your kids. And then other tips. I'm going to skip to the practical tips for kids, for children. Um, this is all judgment-free. If you have already done all these things, that's fine. You're going to do what works for you. You and whoever is else is making decisions for your kids are going to prayerfully consider what the right thing to do is intentionally. But here are some kind of the general concepts. Um, limit devices. At the end of the social dilemma, they ask all of these people who have made their fortunes in media and social media, they say, would you give your kid a device? You guys, 100%, they say no. Every single one, no. Would you give them social media? Absolutely not. Would you let them have it in their bedroom? And these are not Christians. Would you let them have a device in their bedroom? Absolutely not right? So just consider that the longer you can hold out on that device, the less chance this, the, the, you're shortening the amount of time this has to be in your world that you have to kind of control that. Um, my daughter has like this Amazon Kindle. That's like the kid's Kindle that has all these like lockdown things on it. So if you're going to do a device, um, and this was the one both my bosses shot at me, always be the device administrator. That means you're in charge of your kid's device. It is not theirs. It is yours. And not just like, oh, it's mine. I can take it away, but also I'm controlling what goes on there. Right, so they can't add things, they can't remove things, they don't do that. No devices in bedrooms, just just don't. And I will say, um, Arden is ten, right? She's in fifth grade. She is headed toward middle school, junior high. She's young, Um, but I remember being ten, right? I didn't remember being two, but I remember being ten. We're coming to a really interesting time um, of just physical development for boys and girls, right? In the past, when I was a kid, and you wanted to see something you weren't supposed to see. You had to go find it on a piece of paper. And it was hard and it was embarrassing. You had to hide it. And this is where addiction comes back into it. The way God, de- God designed our brains, right? This is his design. The way it works, though, is once you get something and you like it, you have to get more of that thing to feel the same high, right? So I see Abdul and his kittens. I'm like, perfect. I'm happy for a week. But then I have to see, like, Abdul and his kittens, like, for an hour before I feel just as good, right? The same thing is true with content, explicit content. You don't want your kids to see right? And this is where it's different than what our parents had to navigate, right? Because before they're like, ooh, don't find that magazine. Don't do this. Don't do that. Now it is literally on every single device that you have in your house. And it is not hard to find. And the algorithm is going to say, oh, a 10-year-old boy. Wonderful. Let's start with uh, Minecraft. Maybe some Fortnite. Um, You know, maybe maybe they're just starting to be girls. Let's start there. And once that starts, and it's not just Boys and girls, because there's this kind of purity culture fallacy that only men are visual and women are never visual. And all men are super visual and all women are not visual. That's that's just not true, you guys. Some women are way more visual than men, right? Not all men are visual. Um, but that they know, and again, their only goal, they don't care about your kids, their only goal is to keep your kids' eyes on their screen. So they're gonna show your girls this, they're gonna show your boys this. Like I remember um, finding my aunts like romance novels when I was 15. Not like Amish romance novels, you guys, like bodice-ripping romance novels. My pastor's wife, aunt, underneath her bed buried in there. And I was like, oh, this is at 15. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, But then you have to read like another one. You keep, it has to escalate or it's not going to feel as good. And because God designed these things in his good plan to feel good, to look good to us, to be, make us happy, they're going to keep looking for it. And so when you hand them that device and you are not in control of it, you are basically saying, how about it? Just go, even good kids, right? Even good kids are gonna say, oh, I'm curious about my kid's favorite thing in their fifth grade is they go to YouTube and they rickroll each other in fifth grade. This is what they're doing now, but they're all on YouTube, right? So they know how to get there, they know what to do, they know how to take that link and they know how to email it to their friend. So they're Rick rolling each other and I think that's hilarious, but be the administrator of your kid's device if you give them one. But the longer you cannot give them one, the better this will be. Kids' brains, they're not developing. They, it's just the way they are. No social media till high school. Arden, they did a social media um, kids' class, like little class, and she said, Mom, you have to tell them that it's illegal to be on social media till you're 14. <laughs> I do not know if it's actually illegal, but that feels reasonable. But the, the evidence on what it does, particularly to girls' brains, and how it re- like does neural pathways with depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation and all of that just... Again, the longer you can hold off, you do that. I'm going to talk about the media budget. This is what my parents did in the 80s, was they took, like, little, like, 3 by 5 cards, whatever, um, and they cut them in half, and you got, each was worth 30 minutes, so if you had a whole card, it was an hour, and I had to turn them in to watch my TV, right? I had to literally physically turn in the thing. Now, what I would do is I would hoard them up and say, I have a movie, um, and my brother would be like, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, Um That worked, again, in the 80s, but also I didn't have a device in my room, right? I had a giant TV and a cabinet. So those are my practical tips for kids. These are my informational resources if you want. So this is directly to the Women Risen Motherhood podcast um, if you want to grab that. I use all my time. So I'm going to – I'm happy to answer any questions you have. I can hang out. I know you guys have kids to pick up, but I do want to read you this chat GDP. Which is the thing because I was laughing so hard. So, this is Chat GPT. I went to their website and I said, This is what I, this was the prompt write an introduction for a talk to moms about the dangers of social media. What I am about to say to you, I did not write. An AI wrote this, and you can watch it type on the screen. As a mother, it's important to be aware of the potential dangers that social media has posed to our children. While social media can offer many benefits, such as staying connected with friends and family, learning new things, and finding support, it also has some serious risks. From cyberbullying to online harassment to exposure to inappropriate content and negative effects from social comparison, mothers need to be informed and proactive and protecting their children from the harmful effects of social media. By being aware of the dangers and taking steps to mitigate them, you can help ensure that your children will have a safe and positive experience on social media. I did not write that. But it's pretty good, right? Like that could have been like the thing you put on your website, here we're talking about social media. That, um, I, an AI wrote that, a robot wrote that. And the reason why the robot knew how to write that was because we're feeding that AI all the time. If you're doing one of those quizzes where it's like the 10 year challenge, show a picture of you 10 years ago, picture now. Yeah, you're, t- you're training the AI. That's just to train the AI. Um, there was like an AI filter for a while where it's like, you know, put this filter on and you can see what you look like in different, as different art styles. You're training the AI to make better AI. Um, those quizzes where it's like, oh, what was the, where did you grow up? What was the name of your pet? How many kids do you have? What school did you go to? That's just phishing for your password, right? So stop doing those. Um, <laughs> so just for fun, though, well, because what they're doing is they're getting that information about you so they can break into your accounts, right? You are giving them your password information. So again, but we're not afraid, right? Because God has not given, and now we know that, right? So I said, write an introduction for a talk to moms about the dangers of social media, as a pirate. And here's what it wrote. "Our mateys, let us set sail on a voyage to the, through the perils of social media sea. As a mother, ye must be aware of the treacherous waters that lay ahead, for they are, may both harm ye and your young sailors. From online predators to cyberbullying, the dangers of social media are many and should not be taken lightly. So hoist the Jolly Roger as we navigate through the dangers of the social media world. A robot wrote that as I watched it type it. So when you read something, so it's not even just like, oh, I can tell there's a filter there. I can tell this is there. I can tell that is there. Literally the caption that you think that influencer is writing for you, the AI. The AI is going to write it. Because why? It's quick. It's efficient. And you make more money. And what is this all about? Money. So I can hang out. I know you guys have kids. I'm sorry I took all your time. All right. Anytime. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ.